Oh, 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 cheeky monkeys. Get on with it. Toppy, toppy. Hashtag Buckheaders. That's magnificent. Hello, John. Hello, dear viewer, and welcome to a Birdcrump Wonderland. We are no longer an Arsenal podcast. We're going to spend all night talking about crochet, potted plants, and uh, potted shrimp. I don't know what potted shrimp is. I imagine you put shrimp in a pot, but why anyone would want to do that? I don't know how the shrimp feel about that. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mute myself, haven't I? There we go. Right, with me tonight, I have, uh, I will go with, I'll start off with Stan. Stan is part of 238 Arsenal podcasts. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what they are now, because I was going to write them down, and I've got no idea. Go on, Stan. Although I watch them all, who are you with? Um, my match, uh, post-match reactions are over on Canon for the TV. Um, also, on Thursdays and Sundays, I'm on the Arsenal Fan Circle, which is, the time of that is more late at night because it's more sort of US centric. Also, the Andrew the Hinkley Gunner and the Bearded Gunner. And I watch most of those, and I'm in the chat box there, and I uh, hear you giving out wise words. So I was watching Harry's thing today, Harry's um, Harry's um, Chronicles of a Gunner, and you were uh, in the chat. And I went, I nearly asked you to come on today because Marissa was going to be on, but she had to take her dog to the vets. And I thought, oh, I need to get a couple of people. So I asked the judge, and he said yes. And I thought, should I ask Stan? I thought, no, if I ask people in North America, because you're, you're in Canada now, it, he's probably asleep. It's probably, what is it, 2 a.m. in the morning or, or midnight? No, it's lunchtime, Danny. It's what? It's lunchtime. lunchtime. It's past 12 here. If it's lunchtime, I should still be asleep. Look, I've done 1 minute 36 and I haven't got to the point yet. Anyway, also from the same old Arsenal podcast, it's Lee the Judge. Judges. You right, Lee? How are you doing, Dan? You're all right. All oh, the better for seeing your cheeky chops. <laughs> How you been? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Still ain't got over uh, Sunday at the moment. I'm, I'm always hurts when we lose to them. Always hurts. And then the, and the manner of the way, the way we lost. So yeah, not, not, not at the best. But hopefully, uh, we, we get over it and get a win tomorrow. And uh, even more importantly, a win Saturday, and I'll be happy. Yes, indeed. Um, when uh, the protocol with Arsenal podcasts, if we borrow people from another podcast, like Ellis was on Tom's podcast, um, uh, what day is it today? So it'd be last week. And we all have a little fax system. It's like transfer deadline day. Um, we all have to fax each other to get signatures and approval and, and rates. So uh, we've had to get the lead judges. We've got two packets of Bourbons and a packet of custard creams. I don't know how much of that you're going to see, Lee, because I think I reckon Craig's going to gobble the entire lot up. Right, so right. I've never had a Big Mac off him yet. You know what I mean? He keeps promising me, but I'll never get him. He's tricky. He's tricky. Talking about tricky people, it's it's our very own Ellis. Now I can't remember what podcast you're from, Ellis. So um, you might have to tell the uh, the wonderful listeners where you're from. Some shit show called ABW. Never heard of it, mate. Awful. That's it. Wouldn't recommend it to anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Have you had a busy day pulling strange objects and men's gentlemen's bottoms in A and E in Norwich? (laughs) Not at all. I've had a lovely day for a change. Are you looking forward to COVID coming back? With all these Muppets going around licking lampposts and whatever they're doing to try and get themselves ill? Definitely not. Talk to me sort of winter this year and we'll see how I'm feeling then. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Have you made any drunken 2am phone calls to anyone recently? No. <laughs> other than you. I tried other people. You're my last resort. 
you're my uh, first one. <laughs> oh, bless. Yeah, him and his missus were pissed out there and they rang me at two in the morning. But I didn't think you'd be the only one I knew would be up. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. Right, we're going to go and say hello to some people in the chat box. We have Michael from Sweden. We have Luke Howard, who I always think that we had an Arsenal player called Luke Howard, who's a goalkeeper, but apparently that's not him. Uh, Grumpy Guna, who I recognise from the comments. I don't remember seeing you on a live show. Um, Ashit Akara, hello. Is the derby gloom over yet? It will never. It won't be over and, until we beat them again. Um, Highbury Lurker says, I hate Spurs. Carl, oh, it's not our Carl. Who's on tonight? Well, can't tell you. Secret. Um, who else have we got here? Um, ah, Phil Macker. He's in. I doubt he'll have some uh, some decent questions as the night goes on. Archie. All right, Archie. And Julian Salmon's here. And uh, Super... Because I can't say it. He's here. I say he. Could be a she. I don't know. In these modern times, it's, uh, it should have a little symbol up. You can have your own symbol for uh, whatever you are. Personally, I'm a helicopter. That always goes down well. Right, so uh, oh, here we go. We're going to spend the next 90 minutes moaning about Arsenal losing to Spurs. So I think we'll start off with, with Lee, because you look like a man who's full of angry words. So your thoughts on yesterday's game? Um, well, I've got to say, um, do you know what? What, what hurt? It hurts losing against Spurs at any time. We know that. like you know. But what hurt me more than anything was just the manner of the way we lost, just the manner of the defeat. I thought we was doing okay. We was playing some good stuff. We get one goal up, and then and then the comedy show starts again. Like, and it, it's just, it's just never ending. It's like you keep saying it, like you know, it's just poor, poor defending. It's just we just don't defend properly. We don't defend well. You know, the first goal, yeah, okay, it's just just a individual mistake, and you can't, you know, you can't um, justify it. But you know, he hasn't done it. But then we're 1-1, I'm thinking like, you know, let's go on and win this game. But there's always that doubt, you know, that's going to happen. And then they put over a 50-yard ball over the top and we've got two defenders, no one going tight on Harry Kane, let him go through, managed to get, a, you know, a corner out of it, you know. But we shouldn't have, we should have stopped it a lot earlier than that. And a call from the corner, they score, which can happen. But once they scored it, we, we'd gone and, you know... Uh, we miss chances. The same old story about missing chances against in there. But what really is the other annoying thing is that they were there for the taking. This is a poor Tottenham side, and we just didn't. We just, you know, we just shot ourselves in the foot. And, and and you know, I don't know about you guys. I've got a lot of Spurs fans around my area and all that. Like they weren't interested before the game, saying, "Oh, we're not." I even had one fan say. Spurs fans say, I'm not going to watch it. I'm, uh, I'm I'm having a barbecue. I'm not interested. I'm, you know, I'm not doing this. And you're going to beat us three or four nil. And then soon as you've lost, they're on the phone. Well, uh, what do you reckon of that then, judges? You know what I mean? And you, you just got to take it, grin and take it, like you know what I mean. But I'm fed up with it. I'm fed up with the way we're playing against these big teams, and we, we don't win against the big teams away from home because we just do not defend properly. And it is, uh, it, and if I can see it. And fans can see it. Surely, please, the board can see it and the recruitment can do it. And in the summer, we'll finally sort something out. Like, you know, I just, but if they don't, I think that's the one positive, guys, from from um, from the game is that um, they can't turn around and say, because I've heard all this rubbish. Oh, Mustafi's getting better. Give him a new contract. We're, you know, they're playing well and all that. That highlighted that they're not good enough. It needs to be replaced. So that is the positive from us losing that game. 
I agree with you completely. It's it's good to have a bit of a rant to get it out of your system. But luckily, I only have one kind of Spurs mate, mm. that's Lee. And we have a gentleman's agreement that we don't message each other. I mean, I, I blocked him on Twitter. I think that was about three years ago. So he came around to see me a couple of weeks ago. And we, we just don't talk Arsenal Spurs because none, neither of us are ever going to uh, agree. But you were saying that um, um, Spurs are rubbish. They're rubbish and they're the best they're ever going to be. Because when once those players start leaving, which they're going to do, because like the title of this podcast... Jose's billion pound um, toilet. They are absolutely screwed financially. Um, they should be making two two million pound a game like we should be. They're not making that. They've had to get a hundred and five million pound loan from the government or something like that, and they're not allowed to spend any of it on transfers. They are they are barely going to make it through to tra- to selling their players before the end. Um, by the, after the season ends, it's going to be a struggle for them, isn't it? Um, right. So I'm going to go to my uh, other guest. You have to wait there, Ellis. It's a little cheeky. Ellis is actually making notes of all your questions in there. So you keep putting them in because Ellis is all organised and stuff. Stan, um, before you uh, oh, tell us how you feel about the game and mention about the first, I was saying um, Ellis missed the first 15 minutes of the game. First 15 minutes were the, were the worst part of the game. How long was it before our defence started to go, oh, I don't know what I'm doing? It, I was saying before we started, it almost looked like everyone went, oh, is it a, a five o'clock kickoff? And they got up too late. They And they only ran out onto the pitch after just waking up because our defence, they made, uh, what, four, three or four big errors in the first 15 minutes. It was an absolute nightmare, wasn't it? I mean, as Lee said, it always hurts when you lose to them lot. It always does, but I wasn't. I wasn't surprised. I was disappointed and angry, but I wasn't surprised because there's about there's five players that that they've all of them are capable of of brain farts. There's five players. We've seen it from the five players. I don't even have to name them all. We all know who they are. And when you've got four of them playing in the same team, it's only a matter of time. So I mean, the, the last few games where we managed to keep those clean sheets, I was really pleased about that. But I was never relaxed. And a lot of those games, when you know, when I'm watching Arsenal play and we're sat at 1-0, I'm never relaxed. Never relaxed because at any moment, you know, the rules can come off because of an individual error. How many do we and, need to be up for you to actually relax? Because I reckon it's got to be two or three, hasn't it? Say again, sorry? How many goals up do we need to be before you can relax? I'd say at least two or three. Well, we used to watch Arsenal back in the old days, you know, Adams and Keown and people like that. If we were 1-0, you knew that we, we we could maybe get another one. But if not, we'd close everything up. You know, you could be fairly confident that we could see it through. But when we were 1-0 now, you know, I'm not comfortable at all. And what struck me so much was, if you look at the comparisons to how we started the Leicester game and how we started the Tottenham game, it's basically the same formation, it's the same uh, team of members, but the style of play was just so different for me. You know, when we came out uh, at Leicester, you know, that first half for me was was one of the, the you know, the, the best games of football that I've seen under this new regime. You know, and I said a few weeks back on another podcast that we're managing to keep these clean sheets and we're, we're keeping it tight. If we can continue to do that, you know, the pretty football will eventually return. And I thought I saw a glimpse of that in the first half at Leicester but the first half at Tottenham as I say it's the same formation it's the same players what what happened were they given different instructions or did the team just forget the instructions that they were given uh, on the training pitch and and just just decided to do something else because all of that backwards passing when you've got so much green in front of you it, it, I just find it so frustrating but not as I said at the beginning not surprising 
No, I wasn't surprised. I didn't think we'd. I thought well, we could just go out and beat Liverpool tomorrow, and then we could we could uh, go and lose the next game. There is. There's this thing at the, the end of the Serie A season. I think I might have said this on the podcast recently. The last game of the Serie A season, you're going to get five fives. You're going to get eight nils. You're going to get all that lot. It seems to be the last two, three weeks of the Premier League so far. You're getting crazy results. And yeah, it's um, Femster. Our Femster's made a good point here. He says, if you have defenders that make a mistake on average one in every three games, but then stick all three of them in the same team, that guarantees at least one mistake a game. Femi, why didn't you uh, tell us? I mean, if you're here, you, didn't you see? I did put in the WhatsApp group. You could have come on. Um, yes, Ellis, finally coming to you after sitting there all quiet for nearly 12 minutes. Yeah, so what's your thoughts on the game? And are you glad that you missed the first 15 minutes because Kane should have scored quite early on? Um, Mora had a, a really good shot within the first... I, I think I wasn't even watching it properly. I was in the kitchen making a coffee. After about a minute and a half, Mora had a, a shot at goal. And Martinez, if it wasn't for Martinez, we, we could have lost that game. We could have let in another five or six goals. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I think I think that's helped me missing the first 15 minutes exactly, in terms yeah. of, sort of like how poor the performance was. It sort of sugarcoated it slightly less than what it was. Because when I came in, we were sort of all over them. And I think highlighting again what Lee said, the way in which we lost makes it all that more frustrating. The fact that there was a period of dominance. I thought I was, myself, I was pretty disappointed in Aubameyang and the chance that he missed in that first half. I think we could have put that game to bed by half time. I think the goal that Lacazette scored was just oh, such a peach. And Mourinho, you, you knew you knew Mourinho was going to set up like that. They're playing shit. Even the, it, it's sad, but it works for him. It's not working as much for him anymore. And he is sort of, I think, his way of playing the game is sort of dying out and people are figuring it out. And it just fucks me off even more that we've gone there and sort of that, like basically gone to him and said, like, yeah, yeah we, can, we can just sit back against Arsenal. We can wait for him and eventually... They'll give us a goal, like like you said. They they were quite live at the start, but then we we, we went into it in the, towards the end of the first half, and we controlled that game. And we looked on top, um, but we just fucking lit in two mistakes, two mistakes, individual errors, and it's just you lit them in, and they're not a good team. They're not playing well. Jose Mourinho for me as a manager on the decline. The way he sort of turned that Spurs team into. They play like their lower league. They play like a lower league team who will sit back and try and pick you off on the counter. And he played like that at home as well. Again, with coronavirus and the empty stadiums, the home advantage isn't really a thing. But still, to play at home and just completely concede possession to a team and just wait for him. Obviously, he'll be he'll be he'll be pleased with it. It's worked. It's done him like he'll know that he's done the right tactic in himself because it's worked out for him. But for me, it's just so frustrating to just lit a team like that the way they're playing under a manager that I absolutely detest and the way he's sort of the way he conducts himself on and off the field, the way his teams play. And it's just like Lee saying that we, 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 we lose against the big clubs away and it's fucking hate. It hurts me to hear Lee like refer to fucking Tottenham as a big club. Cause of that, like growing up, like I'm a bit younger than you guys well, growing up. My, the team that I was scared to play against was Manchester United. They were the team like for me growing up, Liverpool, Tottenham were literally nothing. Like it was just a joke until obviously recently in the last sort of five or six seasons where they've actually sort of turned up and and made themselves into a bit of a club now. But it's it's frustrating because I, I generally feel like you go into that game at the start and I was feeling confident. I went on on the Guna talk and I said well, I think we could probably win two one. The form they're in and the the form we sort of shoe. I know obviously we drew to Leicester and again another frustrating result. 
and partly to blame for it ourselves. But like, yeah, just incredibly frustrating. And it's one of those games that you hate to lose. And like, like again, echoing what Dan and Lee have said, Tottenham fans were not confident. I don't know a great deal, but the ones I do were fucking quiet for a change. They've been at me for the last few seasons, giving me fucking stick, giving it a big un, and the build up to this game, nothing from them, nothing at all. And then all of a sudden they come crawling out of the fucking woodwork again when they've got a two one win over you. Disgusting. Absolutely hate it, mate. <laughs> but at the end I just I got drunk and uh, played my PlayStation VR. <laughs> and it did it's a whole new reality. Yeah, yeah. It is funny because you have to have a couple of beers after it, don't you? I, I had to. Act, I could not go on without having a couple of beers after. Just drown my sorrows a little bit. It's, it's sad, but I agree with what Alice is saying. Here. The, the one thing I think, the one thing that really annoyed me as well is that Mourinho has told him for those last couple of days, just keep piling the ball forward over their central defenders. That they will give you a goal. They will give you a goal. They'll give you a goal. And then, of course, after scoring, we do actually do that. And and you can see the players in their mentality. Look, God, Mourinho was right. They, he did say that we give us a goal. And look, the yes, you know what I mean? We could, And it just it just regalvanised them, you know what I mean? Such a poor goal giveaway. And um, from that moment on, I, do you know what? Even though we was dominating all that, I, if someone, I turned around to someone and I said, I'll take a 1-1 now. You know, you just knew that it was going to happen, you know, and that's... <clears throat> It's typical Arsenal at the moment, I'm afraid. I think the most frustrating thing for me is that that goal that comes out of sort of nowhere from Lacazette, again, away from home, it's not really a massive issue at the moment, but he has got that sort of, other than the last game when he scored away, but he had that hanging over him, not scoring an away goal. And to score that peach of a goal, if I think if we go into like half-time, 1-0 up, Jose Mourinho's got to change things. He's actually got to come out yeah. of it. I think we can take that game mm. to him. And it could have worked in my favour. But like you said, we just shot ourselves in the foot. That pass from Kolasinac was just just criminal. And I completely agree with what Femmes has said. Like, I always, when we signed Louise, I thought, fucking hell. He's like, again, Stan, brain fart. He is a player, along with all our other players, that have that element of they'll have a brain fart and they'll fuck up. He looked okay in sort of the Chelsea defence. We've got a good midfield in front of him. He hadn't got that in front of him at the moment mm. at Arsenal. And he hasn't had since he's been with us. And he hasn't got it next to him either side of me with the centre back. So you're sort of asking for trouble, really. When you like when like when Femsa said, when you've got so many error prone players all playing the same team, there's going to be you can coach them as well as you want. And I and I said to to Jason um, when I was messaging him about the game, so Mustafi's actually looked alright. Like he's actually sort of semi changed my opinion about him. I still think he is, and he, he proved it certainly in the second half. But to just they just revert back to type, which is those error-prone guys. And there's always going to be time, like when they're all in that team, one of them will make a mistake and it will cost us. And the more players we have in that team, the more often that's going to happen. And unfortunately, until we start ridding our team with those sort of error-prone, don't want to sound too harsh, but sort of almost mentally weak players that on the big occasions will just sort of crumble, we're going to keep losing games. And what would you have done differently with a lineup, or maybe even the tactics to make sure that this didn't happen? Because... Uh, Going by what everyone says, none of us are really surprised that this has happened yet again. I went up, I went up as I said again, as if I was going to say something else after that. I don't know why I did that. Go on. I was just going to say, I mean, he hasn't really got much to work with. I mean, I don't, I've never really liked to fire at the back three central defenders. And I don't even really think that Mikel Arteta really likes it, but he's, he sort of found something that he's trying with the players that he's got. And it worked. It, it has worked at times. You know, we kept those clean sheets. Um, only, I think, there was like one goal scored against us in like four games. But as we keep on saying, 
when you've got the personnel that we have, it's only a matter of time. And if I was Mikel Arteta, I would have walked into Raul's office on Monday morning with a laptop, with that pass from Kalashinak on a loop, and I would sat down, made him, him and do watch it for a couple of minutes, and I would say, if you don't back me, this is what we're going to have to keep on dealing with. This is it. Do you know what I mean? I'm not Paul Daniels. I'm not a magician. This is it, man. So you need mm. to back me. Otherwise, this is going to continue to happen. Did you know Paul Daniels was dead? Going by the Paul Daniels thing. Did you listen to our cast today? No. You didn't? Oh, they no, mentioned no. Paul Daniels as well, yeah. Um, Andrew said, uh, yeah, even, even Paul Daniels couldn't uh, work magic on this lot. And uh, Matey Boy said, uh, yeah, I don't think, I don't think they realised, Paul. And they wanted okay, to put Debbie well, McGee as assistant manager. That was okay, it. Go okay, to okay, David Copperfield then. <laughs> He's still alive, right? You made the Statue of Liberty disappear. Even, yeah. You know what I mean? But <laughs> the one you make disappear, Jesus Christ. But um, yeah, I don't know what, what else is he going to do. I mean, the only real option is, is it that bad where we're at the stage now where maybe someone like a Zach Medley or a Ballard from, he should be maybe right. giving some minutes. I mean, what else have we got really got to lose this season? Is it come to the stage where we should be trying a couple of these young kids and finding out now, uh, have they got what it takes to be in and around the squad? Otherwise, we're stuck with what we've got, right? The only other person that's, that really could be available is, is Rob Holding. Well, talking about that, Ellis, um, the reason apparently, not that I know, but I'm just taking from the likes of Drew and people who really know what they're talking about, and Tom, um, they were saying that the reason why we're playing three at the back is because um, he likes to have a left-footed um, centre-back at left centre-back. So we've moaned for ages that Kalasnic can't play at left-back. He's a left-wing back, but he can't play at left-back because he can't defend. So sticking him in the centre of, of the defence means... Um, like like Arsblog was saying today, you have to take one out of midfield to put an extra centre-back in because the rest of them are all so bad. So I went and had a look at this. And centre-backs at the moment, Saliba will be right-footed, or all of these are right-footed. Saliba, Socrates, Chambers, Mustafi, Luiz, Holding, Mavropanos are all right-footed. The only ones that are left-footed is Mari, who's injured, which is why we brought him in, and Medley, who um, I think has been reported that he's not quite ready for it yet. So then I went and had a look at some of the players that... Um, I think Transfer Window podcast, and I think maybe Craig was mentioning it last night or or one of these lot were, that there's a, a bloke called, I know it was on Tom's podcast, um, I think it was uh, Devon was saying that Malang Sar from Nice has just been, he's, he's left the club, he's 21 years old, he's sent the black left-footed, and he he's played 118 games over the last four seasons, so he's a regular, so he's one that is a possibility. Thiago Silva, another one we've been linked to, but he's right-footed. Now, the two that I know um, that, that many Arsenal fans would like is Tyrone Mings, 27, left-footed, and Nathan Ake, 25, left-footed. What do you think of those as possible um, replacements for left-back? Because I thought that when um, Saliba's coming in, he's going to be left-footed, but he's not. Yeah, um, I'll tell you, it does seem pretty wedded to the idea of having like a left left centre back, and I can see that the rationale behind it, and I can understand where he's sort of like coming from. Um, in terms of sort of like what sort of player I'd like to come in, I'm not, I'm not really too sure to be fair with you. Like, I just I feel like we're always going to be asking for trouble. Like again, summarising what I said earlier, like there's not that enough protection from the midfield or from 
anyone in front of the defence. I think time and time again, they're left exposed, exposed, left isolated. It's improved under Arteta, don't get me wrong. They are getting more and more options to play out from the back. It definitely didn't work under Emery. Like, I don't even know why he bothered trying it. Um, but yeah, like in terms of who we get in, like, I was quite shocked actually. Listen to your list, Danny, and you're saying all the people that are right-footed and the fact that, like I said, Mikel does seem pretty like wedded to the idea of a left-footed left centre-back and to have Mary and then Zach Medley, you're a bit fit on the ground in that position. So I don't know I don't know if he was sort of going to try and sort of wing it a bit like he has been in the last few games of playing a left-back there. I think Tierney, when he played there, actually didn't look too bad. I was more... Yes, would you rather have Tierney at the left centre, uh, left side of centre back, than and then on the left hand side, maybe swap him and uh, Kalasnich over because Kalasnich is not a defender, is he? He can't I'd do ra- it. I'd rather, and again, it might, people might think I'm harsh, and I think it's just the writings on the wall of Kalasnich. I'd rather not see him in the team at all. I'd rather have Saka left wing back and Tierney if we're going to perform in that formation. I'd rather him has him as a left centre back. He's played there before. To me, he's a better defender than Kolasinac. I think he's also better getting forward. I think he's a better overall player, he's personally. A wonderful player. Um, so, for me, I'd probably, if you're going to try and cover that position, I've been Kolasinac. I'd put Tierney at left centre back um, and then play second left wing back and free up one of the spaces up front for like Pepe or Bamiang or Lacazette or Nelson or any one of the combinations there to play that. But yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm never one to really see like to to like answering questions about who we should sign because I just think it's so difficult. I'm, I'll admit it here and now. I don't watch many other leagues. I only really watch the Arsenal. Like, if a player impresses me against the Arsenal, yeah, I'm all for signing them. But <laughs> like, I'm not really gonna sit there and watch fucking Ake at Bournemouth or Tyron Mings at Aston Villa. I think they're both. <laughs> well, I thought Mings was younger. He's 27, I suppose, quite older. Really. I thought he was a lot younger than that. I'd be up for getting someone sort of young and coming through and maybe building up a partnership maybe perhaps with the chap that you said who's left uh, the French team I can't remember his name now Nice oh the bloke who left his name is oh. Malang S-A-R-R seems yeah, to be so pretty decent perhaps a French sort of contingent there um, at centre back with him and Saliba when he starts to play for the Arsenal could be something for the future I don't know I really don't know right Good. Um, Pat Brady says here, um, he quoted me, Mari is injured, which is why we bought him. If I said that, because I regularly say shit I don't mean, I mean, Mari is, is, that's why we bought him in, because he's left-footed and then he's injured. So somewhere in my word, Tom Bowler, I had all the right words, but in the wrong order. <laughs> Lee, do you want to talk a little bit more about the defence and what we should do, or do you want to move on to Lacazette? Yeah, for me, we've got to get in a, a, a dominant central defender. But but Ellis is right also, you know, when you look back at the great Arsenal defences with Adams, Bold, uh, Keown and um, and Campbell. also Campbell, you'd have to bring into that. They had players in front of them, i.e. Vieira, Petit, Gilberto, Edu, protecting them from the front. As good as they were, they still had the protection in front of them. Now, these these guys we're talking about now are not in the same league as what I've just mentioned, and they've got no protection. You know, so what? So you've got these great, great defenders getting all the protection of Rivera and a Petit and someone like that. And these guys now have got nothing, and they're getting exposed, you know. But... My, my way is it now is, is to get, you know, like, you know, if you look at Mustafi, name another, you know, I look at it and people go, oh, Aubameyang didn't play well and all that lot. But then, you know, he's being blocked off by by three different players every time he gets the ball. When he runs in the box, does somebody running alongside him just decide to dive in and fall over? Like, you know what I mean? And let him have a free run at goal. No, they don't. 
You know, so he sees all that and he surely, you know, takes the heart and soul out of you. Keep seeing this happen. You score a goal and then you can see the goal. They've got to address it. You know, if someone's saying, so, you know, this is what, I don't know nothing about this, so I'll, I'll be honest, right? But, you know, straight away, what does appeal to the Arsenal fans? He's free. You know what I mean? Oh, that's it. So let's have him. You know what I mean? Can he, can he defend? Can he, can he do this? Can he do that? No, he's free. Let's have him. You know what I mean? It's not about that. You know what I mean? You've got to get in players that are going to do the job. You know what I mean? And we're all in this thing now, been brainwashed, where we've we've got no money, so we've got to buy free players and all that. Like, you know, Kalazanets was free. Has he been a great signing for Arsenal? No. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so we've got to, you know, we've got to get out of this thing and, and bring in players. Look, when people say Tyrone Mings and Aki, are they better than what we've got? Yes. So what does that do? It means we're going to improve. You know what I mean? So, uh, like, we're going to improve. So, that that is that is the things that, that I would do. If But, you know, there's been people who say, oh, they, they come from the Premier League, so they're going to, we ain't going to be able to afford these players. You know what I mean? Like, come on. If we can't attract someone from Bournemouth, what? Are, why have we moved to this stadium if we cannot attract players like that, you know? So, we've got, the fans have got a big, I think, a bigger influence come the summer. They've got to push this ball and this, this, um, recruitment system to make sure make sure they um they get get the things done like you know what I mean so, so we've all got a part to play boys we've all got a part to play and we've got to uh sort this defense out we've absolutely got to sort it out any of you three want to talk any more about the defense before we we try and cheer them lot up and talk about Lacazette's wonder goal well I agree with what Ellis was saying about Kalashnikov. You know, I'd oh, rather you two keep agreeing with Ellis. He's a big enough pain in the ass as it is. He gets all big-headed and he'll go around at work going, "Everyone agrees with me. Everyone agrees." <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd like to not see Kalashnikov in the team, and it just strikes me as is it? Uh, I don't understand how you got Socrates and Holding our centre backs. They might not be left-footed, but that can't just be the reason why you would put in Kalashnikov into that role. You know, when we have two two available centre backs, they actually know the art of being a centre back. They might not they might not be well beaters, but they understand the role. Um, and I also agree with what, what with what Lee says as well about the acceptance of the Arsenal fan base. You know, that the first go to is about you know being that the player is free. And I also feel the same way about the the, the part of the fan base that say that being out of Europe could be the best thing for Arsenal. You know, I don't buy into that. I think it's acceptance. First of all, it's like we're not good enough to be in the Champions League. Then it's now it's we shouldn't be playing in the Europa League. That will do us good. And you know, what's next? Should we just drop down a league as well? Do we just keep on going until we find opposition where we can start running right? What would that be? The J, you know, is it the auto screens winship <laughs> cup final? You know, it's about. I don't. I don't want to take the acceptance. I want us to be in Europe. And if you want to make a comparison to teams like. You know, Chelsea and Liverpool, it done them a world of good. They only missed out for one season. They were they were in the Champions League the season before. They dropped out and then they got back in. We've been away from the Champions League for so long now. Dropping away from the Europa League, it may not bring us as much money as the Champions League, but you've got to be in it. You've got to be in it. And it's just for the profile of the club. And like Lee says, that could be the difference of us having to look at three players because that's all we can basically look at, or attracting players because they can see that, okay, they're in the Europa League, but by me coming here and a couple of more additions, maybe we can get back into the Champions League. I just don't want to have that acceptance about Arsenal. 
You brought up a good point there. It's almost like you read my notes because you haven't. Liverpool didn't qualify for European football in 2011-12. They finished eighth. 13-14, they finished second. 16-17, they finished fourth. This is all from Wikipedia, so sue them if I'm wrong. Chelsea, 16-17, they won the league. Man City, 9-10, which I didn't know. They come fifth. Man United, 14-15, they come fourth. So does that maybe think make you change your opinion that maybe a season because i would think a season out of europe would be good first of all we're not doing five thousand mile round trips to to the outer hebrides or and and, and playing a load of sheep farmers because i cannot stand six more pointless group games i mean up until the quarterfinal all those games are shit and pointless aren't they but those are the games that we can use a lot of fringe players a lot of uh, young players that are coming mm-hmm. through to give them minutes you know, so it's a way of, it's more minutes and it's a way to test the squad. And if you want to get better, you've got to play more games of football. Everyone else is doing it. You know, everyone, we're not the only ones that have to travel all the way over to wherever the fucking hell it is to these places that I can't even, I can't even pronounce. But then again, for me, on a selfish note, I live here in Canada. So when you're, when you're, look, when you're winding up for your derby, it's different for me. Like you've got up on a Sunday morning. You eased into your day. Then you started to get your, your pre-match jitters. And then you started to pop a beer. For me, I, I got it on Saturday night because when I get up in the morning, the football's right on right now at 8.30 in the morning. So those European games for me, I get to see that at lunchtime. So it's a little bit selfish, but I want to see as much football as I can. Now, you've got a good point about um, so many of our young players, they go and play all the group games of the Europa League and the League Cup, and then they go out on loan. And that that is a system that, that actually works. Thunder Road here is asking, is this Stan the Man's ABW debut? I just went and had a look. I know you've been on before. That's podcast number 204. But we have tried quite a few times over the last few years to get you on, but you're having a move from, from the UK over to Canada, and you, you didn't get your start. Now you've got your equipment sorted out. It's uh, People can see you on here uh, again, won't they? Hopefully, well, yeah. Uh, you, yeah. Might, you might say no. I'm not coming back. I'll just say something about the Europa League. And you say, like, it works. Does it? Does it work? Ain't worked this year because we've we've gone out early in it and we're 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 eighth or ninth in the league. I, I, I take Stan's point that you're going to play the youth players. Well, then play them all the way through it. You know what I mean? And get them hardcore for the for the for the when they get into the Champions League. But for me, it hasn't worked for the last few, you know, we're declining every single season. And Stan's come up with a very good point. And when when does the decline stop? When we get relegated? When when we like because like this 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 be honest, like, you know, a couple of years ago it was oh like we're going out of the Champions League, you know, top four, top four, and then we're fifth, ain't very good. Now we've dropped down down and now we're out of the Europa League places. So where's the next where's the next portal call? You know what I mean? Before something is done and, and before something's dragged up, the way it's not working at the moment. And I, 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 I don't like the, the the thing of saying right, we're going to have to have a season out of the out of the um, Europa League. And I tell you something else, it winds me up a little bit. Say, oh, Chelsea have done it, and then Liverpool have done it. Yeah, but they've 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 invested yeah. and they've they've put in bought players when that sort of happened. It's no good going out of the, of the Champions League and out of Europe for a year. And then not, and, and then just go. All right, well, we're out of the thing and carry on as we are because all that are happening is we're just drop, drop, and drop. Somewhere along the line, we've got to draw a line under it and say, right, this is enough now. This is as far as we drop. We under under this regime, under this um, recruitment system, we go no lower than what we've ever done. This is that. If we go any lower than this now, everybody at this football club sacks. 
So there's your, there's your thing and there's your bar and you don't go no lower than that. And if you do, you're out. It doesn't matter who you are. And then we start getting ruthless again moving forward. But a year out of it, I'm, I'll take that now if it means that we reinvest and we make sure that we get the players. Because at this moment in time, whatever we're doing is not working, guys. Very true, Ellis. Um, if we went, if if we do lose to Liverpool tomorrow and Burnley get a point, um, Burnley are. Oh, I was just looking at this and I've forgotten already. They're at home to Wolves. They could get a point. They'll go above us, and then we will be in tenth with three games of the season left to go. I personally don't remember. Well, I do remember the season that's been as bad as that. That was 94-95. That was the last time we were hovering around mid-table towards the end of the season. It's ridiculous. So would you take a season out of Europe? Not that they're going to... Not that anyone's going to listen to us and go, actually, they made a good point. Lads, lose all the games. We're not playing Europe next season. Well, I was only four when that happened. So my memory of Arsenal has been firmly in around. Sort of. You've had it good, Ellis. You've had it good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mate. Well, not now. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. I say no. Honestly, no. I think like, a counter argument to your point about um, being out of the Champions League or Europe in general with like looking at Liverpool and looking at Chelsea. The fact is both those clubs, Lee made the point that Chelsea can afford to do that. They can afford to take a step out of the league and just go, bam, 40 yeah. million on that guy, 50 million on that guy, whoever. They can just then rebuild, hire a new manager in, spend whatever they want. They might not be able to do it now with like Branovic and the way the structure's been changed there and how he's sort of easing out a bit, but they managed to get through that. And as with Liverpool, they recruited really well. They sold really well. They sold the likes of Sterling, Coutinho, um, I've probably lost track, but they've lost. They've, they've sold a lot of players, and then they've invested really well. They sold players that they could have done without, and they've spent a lot. And they have spent a lot, but they spent a lot on the quality players they needed, like VVD and Allison. And they've solidified. Blah, 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 can't even talk. No, 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 no. <laughs> solidified that uh, defence and turned themselves into one of like the, the best Premier don't, League. Sort don't, of don't, do not acknowledge it. Yeah. <laughs> they've won the league with an asterisk they've been <laughs> whatever you want to say here. mate they've smashed it like, shut up no they haven't they, they lost 4-0 at home to Man City Man City should be given the title give a fucking shit mate <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, Loki uh, up there in he's from East Anglia I think is he is Lincoln East Anglia anyway it's a PE he says uh, we're like a fine car you have to repair the first dent or you end up with a wreck I should know the Merc went into the garage the Mercedes specialist May last year, and he still fucking got it. <laughs> I forgot what it looks like. I've changed the registration since then. I put a different plate on it. Bloody hell! Yeah, it's uh. Here we go. M, I think he's new to the channel. Hello, M. Uh, says Arteta said earlier, I will prepare for three transfer market scenario, more, less, or nothing. Well, there you go. Actually, M made another point. I was going to highlight. There we go. Um, check out Swiss Ramble, friend of the pod. Tweets yesterday about the financial situation in the club and KSE. I am not even going to mention the finances because I still don't get a morphization or whatever, whatever thing that is. Um, there we go. Oh, Fem, why weren't you? You should have come on, Fem. You've done nothing but make really good points. Liverpool's uh, two fullbacks cost eight million between them. You can be smart in the market. Very true indeed. Um, right, we're going to move on from that bit. So I'm just going to uh, delete that from my list of shit to talk about. Uh, well, I don't really want to dwell over too much. Here we go. Here's an interesting stat for you. Yesterday was Arteta's 17th league game as manager. 
Wenger's 17th league game was a 0-0 away draw at Leeds, for, and then a 0-0 away at Spurs, and then we lost two games. You ready for more some more juicy stats that people are going to instantly forget? Wenger's first 17 games, 1-8, one, one, drew 6, lost 3. Arteta's 1-7, drew 6, lost 4. There's one game in it, and also they both scored 27 goals in their first 17 games. Wenger, I'm reading it, Wenger let in 15 Arteta's let in 17. What can we make out of that, Stan? Fuck all. <laughs> well, I had another one uh, a couple of games back that um, Arteta had now reached 17 games this season with Arsenal, which is the equal the amount that Emery had for his part of the season. And they said that the differences were that we've not scored as many goals as the Emery team. However, our defence hasn't let as many in. So if you want to look at improvement, I suppose the area looking for was up until 17 games each that uh, the defence had been performing uh, defensively under Mikel Arteta. That is, uh, that's an interesting stat. And I think Emery had um, quite a lot of the the forward players missing, was it? I know we went through, we've been through three injury crises. The, when the Premier League started, we had only had one long-term injury, that was Chambers. That was only five games ago, and now we've got half the squad out. We've got Guendouzi and Ozil uh, have been sent to the naughty corner. It's like, we just cannot get a break when it comes to to um, to having a fully fit squad for him to pick from. Um, I'll, Avery, Ellis, um, Judge, do you want to talk about those, those wonderful stats that I've dug up that people have instantly forgotten? Yeah, stats are a bit strange. Do you know what? I think yeah, sometimes you have to look at it from the eye. And I've seen improvements. I've seen there's there's promise under Arteta. I I feel things are moving in the right direction. If he's got the bet, if he can get better players, you know that he has improved. The you know like people were having shots at us for fun. We've stopped that. You know what I mean? He he stopped that with the same players. So there is there is when Arsene Wenger first come in. I see that there was the things were happening and it, it like set me with a lot of confidence. Did I think it was go as good as what it did? No, but like, you know, it was fantastic. But I do see that some, some improvement. When Jules Graham first come to the club, I see improvements and I'm seeing it with Arteta. So for me, you know, stats are there for a reason. But for me, I like to have a look at the eye at the moment and I've been, I'm presently pleased with what I'm seeing. Ellis? Yeah. Again, I sort of agree with, with with Lee there. Like stats are, are one thing. What you actually see on the pitch and what you actually see, you can't measure sort of the mentality of the players. You can't measure how well you you see the team sort of clicking and how they seem to be like taken on board Mikel Arteta's tactics. Like even the little simple things. Like Arteta is a very well spoken manager who just seems to say the right things at the right time. Whereas Emery, again, it. It might just be to the, to the language barrier, but there was a lot of rumours coming out in the press about how players didn't really understand what he wanted to do, whereas lots of players have come out and publicly play, praised Arteta and said they're really getting on board of how he works and how the work ethic exchange and how... I think I watched like a little clip from Tifo about how Arteta is trying to run the game and how it changed a bit, obviously, with the coronavirus. And I just... I think all the lads are really on board of how he wants to play and how he wants this team to go. And I think Arteta as a manager and his philosophies fit probably how we all sort of want Arsenal to play. And again, he's come into a shit show. Like what sort of manager in his first ever managerial job 
comes into a season where it's been cancelled because of a deadly virus. You've taken over from the guy who's taken over from one of the best managers at the club, which is in decline. You've got half the squad of this players who have just literally their confidence has been destroyed and ripped apart by a manager who was scared to play other teams. His tactics just showed fear. He was just focusing too much on the opposition to completely change that, to try and yeah. turn that around in such a turmoil amount of time. I don't think you can really compare. Yeah, the stats of the games and the wins, the losses and whatever might match up well. And again, that could look worrying on paper, but when you look at it and when you take into account everything that's happened, actually he's doing a good job, for me anyway. Again, it's, it's still up for date, debate and there's still a long way to go. He's got he's got a transfer window to go through after this season finishes and he's got a whole season on his belt. You could even sort of give him a bit of slack because he's not going to have the sort of general pre-season that a normal every season would have. It's going to be different. It's going to be difficult. So you've got to give him a little bit of slack. But I think he's generally moving the club in the right direction. And when he starts to get in or when, again, because the structure of how the, the recruitment works now is different, when the club starts to get in players that will work with Arteta, then I think we'll start to see a much greater improvement than we're seeing at the moment. But I am happy with what I'm seeing at the moment. I don't think you can criticise Arteta too much. I think he does make mistakes. And, and granted, he's, he's he's made some decisions tactically and with his substitutions that if everyone was doing it, everyone would be jumping at him and screaming at him. But again, he's learning. This is his first job. And he's got a team that isn't really quite his yet. So I think you've got to give him a lot of... You've got to give him a bit of time to settle in. And we've got to just... The, the proof will be in the pudding. Give it a season and we'll see, and then we can start to really judge on if Arteta is really making an impact at our club. I mean, it was stats that, uh, stats can be misleading, right? It was because of stats we decided to what, spend 75 million on Xhaka and Mustafi. That's DNA. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I mean, if you want an argument against stats, there's one for you. Look <laughs> at <laughs> what um, uh, Winston's put in there. I'm surprised Leno didn't have a breakdown under Emery. Uh, I just had a look. Spurs had 15 shots against us yesterday and not many were on target. Um, We're going to talk about some positives in a minute, but I just wanted to bring up this amazing stat. I think someone put it, um, I think someone's putting it in there about Man City. We've lost the same number of games as Man City this season. Their goal difference, plus 57, ours plus seven. We have drawn, we've won 12, drawn 14 and only lost nine. Wow, that is... Something else. Right. Um, positives from the game. We're going to try and cheer you cheeky monkeys up. What positives from the game would you say there were, Lee? Make everyone happy. Make everyone happy. Right. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to say. One big positive. Danny Sobias, I thought, was absolutely outstanding in the game. Uh, I thought he ran the show from minute minute five onwards. Unfortunately, because of, of all the carnage after it no one really mentions that and, for, and the biggest thing for me and I, uh, you know the biggest player has been Martinez in goal I think he's been absolutely fantastic I uh, you know um, have we missed Leno no we haven't and Leno was playing ex- exceptionally well and it really puts me up to you know um, like a real thing of what, what we do with, with Martinez because I, I tell you what if Leno was fit tomorrow um, he, he should not come back into that team, you know, because this this guy has been just absolutely immense. I, 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 I'm going to say now, I, I wouldn't wouldn't want to choose between the two. I think he's been brilliant. So that's a massive, massive positive for me. Um, and, and you know, the other positive I will say is is that I don't think it's going to win us anything from there. But like um, 
the Sabias and Shaka combination is working really well. I thought that they was was impressive on Sunday again, you know. So uh, that, that they're the they're the positives for me me in that. And um, yeah, so that, but you know it's very hard to get positives from after when you lose some serves. But I've got to say that I, I thought Sabias in that first half it was, you know, people are saying that. Uh, um, Shall we sign him? Shall we not? He's just got better and better as the season's gone on. And it, I thought he was breathtaking, guys. I really do. Some of his football was, you know, as good as what I've seen from a midfield player for a very long while. So uh, I don't know what everybody else thinks about it. The only miss, not positive about that, he's not our player. I didn't notice yesterday. I was taking particulars. I'm, <clears throat> I'm one of the fans that when I watch the game, I tend to, it's like my mum was here last night and she said to me, what's your favourite song? I said, I don't have a favourite song. She went, I said, do you know any of the lyrics to any songs? I said, no, I do not know any lyrics to any songs. My brain just doesn't take in. I'm not interested. Much like tactics. And when I hear all the other Arsenal podcasts talking about tactics, I thought, I'm going to have a good look at this game. And I noticed that we swapped from Xhaka being the one taking the ball off the centre-backs and bringing it out to him staying in the middle. And like you were saying, Mr. Bios, running absolutely everywhere, running back, getting the ball, filling in positions, passing it around, just magnificent. And we have got a question for that later. Ellis has cut it and pasted it into a... Oh, here we go. You've been found out, Lee. Craig from the uh, (laughs) same old Arsenal. I feel like I'm getting cheated on. Oh, dear. Uh, Well, oh, here we go. What's all this he's put there? <laughs> We've stolen him. You're not having him back. So um, I've completely forgot what I was saying now. Yeah, so watching all of that stuff. Um, Stan, what positives would you take from the game? And uh, do you want to wax lyrical about um, uh, Lacazette and his away goal? I mean, the fact that it's an away goal, the fact that it's a goal, there's so many positives you can just take from that one goal. Well, those away goals from Lacazette, they're like rarer than Haley's Comet, aren't they? You know, but the one thing that I'm really enjoying, right, looking back at you, know, I've got Scottish heritage, right? So I am loving watching our future captain playing at left back. He's, he, I, I've been waiting so long to get He seems a, to get it, doesn't he? He seems already to get it. So, sorry? He seems to already get it. Um, yeah. I know Carl said on the, our live show after the game that he was saying that he doesn't think some of the players get it. Now, he, he gets it. I don't know if it's because he's been involved in the um, the Glasgow derby. Well, the old derby, but he definitely gets it. And Carl had a point. I think people misunderstood that Carl wasn't saying foreigners don't get it. Vieira got it. Henri got it. It just takes a while for those players to get it. And like you were saying with, um, with Tyranny, just fantastic to see a player come to the club so soon and be up for it and, and really see how important it is to the Arsenal fans that you've got to get stuck in and maybe even be a little bit dirty at times. Not I mean, John Wilson dirty, but just football dirty. Rumour has it that Armand Traore is still inside uh, Tierney's Tesco bag. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I love him. I mean, even the pictures of him in training, you know, it's it's snowing, it's hailstones. You've got you've got Ozil standing there with his like thing that he's like, snood right up there. And he got Tierney. He's got short sleeves on. His shorts are rolled up. You know, it's it's. I love it. So we just need to get a Jamaican into the Arsenal team, and I'll be complete. So you know, maybe we'll go and sign Leon Bailey or, or, or something like that. But I'm really enjoying watching uh, Kieran Tierney, and for the 25 million, um, it looks like it could be one of our most better buyers as well. Because like everybody's saying, he 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 gets it. You know, he just, I used to live up in Edinburgh. I lived there for about nine months in Edinburgh. And you know, the Celtic and the Rangers up, up there, you know, their derbies and, you know, the, the way that they are with their teams. And he's, he's, he's captain Celtic on quite a few occasions. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing him progress with us. 
It is. It's great to see. And it's amazing how some players, I mean, uh, Klasnic and Xhaka, they look like they're up for it, but I think that might be because they are. They look like escaped convicts, like me. I look, look, I look like a wrong one, but I'm not a wrong one. I'm scared of everything. Um, oh, dear. Pardon me. That, that sneaked out without me knowing about it. Um, Ellis, did uh, I'm losing track of who's spoken about what. I'm, we're nearly an hour in and I'm losing the plot. Help me. Oh, good. Um, you were talking about positives, mate. And I think That's you've gone it, around Ellis. Have you got other than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think positives, again, I, I can't. I was just more echoing really what the other guys have said. I think Sabios has played well. Obviously, we'll come on about possibility of buying him later. Would you say uh, Sabios has finally found his position? Because at the beginning of the season against Newcastle, I named the podcast Sabios, the man Urzel will never be. And then he went on to be shit for the next six months. Do you think <laughs> our Ted was finally fine tuned him to be the player that we're now going, oh, hello? Uh, yeah, I think he's got that typical sort of Spanish way of playing of finding the space and making the short passes and just keeping the ball ticking over. And we've seen it with the lots of Spanish players that come through our club, Cesc Fabregas, Sani Cazorla. Um, Arteta had touched, I think there was one season, wasn't there, Arteta? I know a lot of it was sideways, but he had like 80% passing in, in the whole season. It was mad, but like, he's just, he's got that ability. I think he probably got a bit shocked by English football, I think we saw glimpses of it against sort of relegation fodder or lower league teams where he got a lot of space and time and he flourished. And I'm not sure if it's the case again. Empty stadiums, not as much pressure. Maybe that's part of the play, playing yeah. a part of it. Maybe it's just the fact that Arteta is just playing him in a system in a role that suits him more. And I just, you know, I can't echo what the other guys say. Like the way he plays, the balls he finds, the way he can sort of, sort of wriggle out of situations where you don't think most like again Sani Cazorla was the, the perfect example of it that guy could wriggle out of any situation you with stop mentioning Cazorla's name I just love him did you see yeah. did you see that thing on Twitter with him and Manuel hugging yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. I love that man <laughs> anyway here tonight. He's, he's in a dark room touching himself inappropriately to that picture <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um, yeah so bias positive for me Tierney again another positive I think uh, Zaka didn't come on but he's still, for me, this whole situation since the restart, since signing the contract, is a massive positive. He's a player who's sort of come out of nowhere, um, who's just sort of set the world like he's got the world at his feet. He's, he seems like a down-to-earth guy. I thought when he did come on, he looked more exciting than Pepe did. He, he did more than Pepe did. I think he, he scared people. I think he probably should have come on a bit sooner. But obviously, hindsight is a wonderful thing. But for me, I think he come on and he, he looked like, a, like he could, create something that didn't really happen and we were so under the cosh that it would never have happened anyway but for me he, he tried to make things work I think obviously the Lacazette goal was a massive positive we were talking I think I can't remember if it, it might have been on the Guna Talk it might have been on our podcast they were all on to run sometimes but someone asked a question one of the listeners that what would it do to convince you that Lacazette isn't finished and I just he starts scoring goals and it'll convince me that he's not finished. It'll convince me that he wants to stay. And uh, he scored a couple of goals now in a couple of games. And, and and that strike was wonderful. He's got that in his locker. I think he is, it's the old old saying, isn't it? For, um, form is temporary, class is permanent. I think he has got a touch of class about him. He has got a good shot on him. He does seem like he looked fucking shattered at the end of that game. He looked like he could barely run. I think he is not in great form but I think if he can get back into good form and you can play him in the right way and he starts getting some confidence back even though we've lost that game initially that goal is going to give him confidence and 
all you can ask for is your strikers to have confidence and score goals and you can go from there. So sort of positives for me, even though Lacazette, other than the goal contribution, didn't really do much. Still a good thing for his confidence to score a goal. Tierney is a, a is a, is a positive for me, and Sabah is positive. And even even Jacker, I think, like again, echoing what Lee said, there is a good sort of link up between him and Sabah. There is to think since he was booed off at the Crystal Palace game, to think Jacker is still in the team and a crucial part of the team is is, is it shows to you the credit to Arteta for what he sort of turned. Shaka into really and again there are there are some positives I know it's, it's hard to pick out positives when you go and lose to Tottenham but I think and again, another weirdly positive thing from that game is we lost that game because of us nothing that they did we lost because of individuals because we were shit if we cancel that shit out of our game they don't stand a chance we would have buried them like 3-0 but that's something to try and work on it's when you buy the right players when you get people all on board and you get rid of the deadwood get rid of the clowns then I don't think we'll see games like that. But whether you can or not, and whether we sign more clowns, who knows? Hmm, I agree. Yeah, good point. Lee, do you want to have a couple of sec- a couple of minutes on minutes out? Do you want to talk about Lacazette's goal for however long you want? Because that was not only scoring away, not only against the scum, but what a beautiful goal and the way that he took it and he placed it, and no one was going to stop that. Was well, were they? Was yeah, they? Yeah. I thought you could have put two goals. Like, Loris made a fantastic save from Aubameyang in the second half, but he got nowhere near that one. He got absolutely nowhere near it. It was a great finish. The only disappointing thing was it was no fans there to see it because, I've, you know, if it, if it would have been in the ground that day, I would have gone absolutely mad seeing something like that. It was an absolute banger. You know, and I, I, I you know, echo what Ellis has said there. I agree with him. You know what I mean? The thing that's been lacking from his game is his goals. He, he's, he misses good chances at vital times of, of the game. You know, like Leicester, we're right on top, one nil up, has a, a good chance, he misses it, we end up drawing the game. So people straight away look back at that moment, oh, if Lacazette would have scored that, we would have been in a, in a thing. But he's always in and around the chances. I'll tell you one, one thing I do like about Lacazette is that he's going through a bit of a bad time, still doesn't hide, still does the dirty work, still does the hold-up play, but and, and is never afraid to, to miss, even though he does miss, but he's not afraid to. And um, I, I think that he's, he, he is a great player. I think, do you know what the positive for me on that is that um, if, if we do come to sell him, you know what I mean, he is scoring goals and doing well, you know, we get a little bit more for him. So there's a little bit of a, a, a bonus in it from there, you know. And, uh, you know, I, I, I hope he gets a go tomorrow against uh, um, Liverpool and see what he does because I think he is important to our play from 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 a hold up point because everybody goes on about Bamian and he can't hold up he can't hold up a bank you know what I mean with a with a shotgun you know what I mean so like uh, you know he's uh, he's hold up plays poor where Lacazette doesn't get the credit it deserves and I can tell you you know you, you talk to any forward the hardest player is holding that ball up you know when you have got centre half smashing into you and whatever and then setting us up to to, to moves. So I think that that you know is good. And, I, and I, do you know what is a positive? I'll tell you, it's a, it's a positive for Lacazette, or not for Lacazette, is that other players, be, be like not, not having a go at Pepe or nothing there, like. But because of Lacazette's missing of goals and not whatever, people focus on him rather than other players. You know what I mean? That are playing poorly. But like you know, for instance, I thought Aubameyang was poor on. Um, on Sunday, but no one will will say. But if Lacazette played like that, they'd be all on the Lacazette. You know what I mean? So, with him being in the side, I think he gives a couple of the other players a little bit of leeway, a little bit like you know. So, uh, but wonderful goal, 
glad that he scored it. And, and do you know what? When he, when he, I don't know about you guys, he's not my favourite ever Arsenal player, but when he scores, I'm always pleased that he does. When he I scores, I'm, I'm pleased, you know? So I let out um, an actual squeal and I applauded it because he's uh, one of my favourite players. He's the best looking yeah. player. He's got the best beard. Now Giroud's gone. He's got the best beard and he's just wonderful. <laughs> and I really hope that we, we keep him. I feel like he's got a good record against Spurs. Like, did he score in the home fixture yeah. this season as well? And I'm pretty yeah. sure he scored again in another fixture. I think he has got a good, yeah, good point. He's got yeah. a good record against them, and I think that's always going to help him with the fans. If you score against them, like, like you're gonna people and, are gonna love it for as it. well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can remember that game at the Emirates, like, like in September last year. Like he yeah. scored, and he just stared down. I fucking loved it. I was in, yeah. I was in, I was behind it, the yeah. goal when he scored it, and I just absolutely loved it, mate. And I think he's. He does. He scores some good bangers. He, do, he does score good goals. And I think you know, I like him for it. Can I just say that you mentioned uh, Olivier Giroud and uh, Alexander Lacazette in, in the same sentence there, Danny. Yeah. I mean, um, one of the reasons that I, I, you know, we moved on Olivier Giroud was because we felt that he wasn't the right... He wasn't, for what his output was, he wasn't going to be able to take us to where we wanted to go. So we replaced him effectively with uh, Alexander Lacazette. But... Alexander Lacazette has never been able to reach the numbers that Olivier Giroud put up in a season. You know, mm. if you look at the gulf in the price that we paid between the two of them. It's, there is quite a gulf. I think Giroud was around 17 million, something around that figure. Lacazette was up there around at the 50 mark. And the thing is with Lacazette, I was really happy when we first signed him. Um, I knew a little bit of him uh, playing over in France. I was really pleased. And he used to have this knack of being able to be almost side onto the goal with a few players around him. And you were just talking a moment ago about being able to wriggle out. He was ideal at doing that as well. He was like a like a pig in oil. He'd be able to slip out and be able to get a shot off first time at a tight angle. But now that he's carved out this new position for himself, which I started calling a false number eight, He's so far away from goal. He does go so deep, doesn't he? Sometimes when we're on the attack, it's the two outside him which are ahead and you've got one will cross in and the other one on the other wing will come in and try to get on the end of it. And you look at for him at the tip of the spear and he, he's away from the penalty box. So, you know, before we bought him, they said, you know, Atletico Madrid showed interest in him. And I'm, I don't even know that. I mean, if you were looking for a striker now, to join your team, would Alexander Lacazette be at the top of your list? He wouldn't be at the top of mine, I don't think. Good question. The only reason he didn't go there, allegedly, is because they want a transfer ban. But I'm looking at uh, only going by Premier League stats because you can't include all the other things because they're not. Premier League is the highest level you should compare yourself to for goals. In his first season, 14 in 32. That's one goal every two and a half games. Next season, 13 in 35. That's one every three. Now he's got nine in 27. That's one in three again. Now I know, and his first season was his best. And that's when he was, uh, when we bought him, he was in, he had a knee, he was carrying a knee injury up till Christmas when he, um, when he, when had the operation, but it's, uh, it's not looking good. Um, we were talking about Obama Young. I know he said that wrong. Um, what am I doing? Oh, here we go. More pointless stats for you. Um, based around, is Alba being a captain the problem? Before being made captain this season, he had seven goals in 10 games. After, 
9 in 23. Again, make of that what you will. But this other one is more important because this is for them, this part of the season. Alba has played 90 minutes in all but one of our last 11 Premier League games. I think the other one he played 82 minutes. I didn't realise he'd played so much time. One goal v Norwich, two v Everton. Um, no, two v Norwich. I put Norwich twice here. He scored one goal against someone that I've got the name wrong. Two against Everton, two against Norwich, one v Leicester. He hasn't scored in seven games. Is that good enough for our star player? He has scored in 16 of our 33 Premier League games a season. So you think about it, it's um, it's not like he's he's getting all those 16 goals in um, in lots of games. The, the goals are coming in ones and twos. And is it good enough, Lee, that our star player, the man who we all rely on, who's our top, who golden boot last season, who was almost he's right out there with a the golden boot again this season, if he's... If he's um, not getting the games, not getting the goals in the games. Two words begin with G there. That's what I've got them back to front. So I'm not looking at your faces as I'm reading this. I hope you're all smiling and going, that's really good points and not going, I don't know about any of that nonsense. <laughs> you don't know what the question is there, do you? Obama Young. Yeah, listen, that's a difficult, uh, you know, I think there's a saying in football, you're only as good as your service. You know, um, what service did he get? You know, and he, listen, Mourinho done a job on him. Done a job, job on him. He put Sanchez to the right side of the, of the back four and then he put Sissoko in front of him. So it blocked him from the front and blocked him from behind. So he couldn't run behind and he could, we couldn't get the ball to him. So, you know, you have to take that as a compliment. So what, what I look at it is, said, all right, you're blocking out your, our main man. That means it must be um, space somewhere else on the pitch for someone else to perform. And that's when you want to see someone like Pepe, like... Uh, you know, where he wasn't blocked off on the right-hand side, doing a little bit more line. I, th- I didn't think that he'd done enough, if I'll be honest. But listen, Aubameyang's always going to come into that to that thing. You know, I've, I've heard people say, well, he's not scored um, against big teams. He, he, he's a, a flat-track bully. He, he scores against all the, all the uh, lesser teams and all that like, you know. Well, that, that may be the case, you know. And, and I think that um, Ellis come up with a great point there, you know, that... Uh, uh, which someone like Lacazette does score against Spurs very often. I, I, how many has Aubameyang uh, scored? I know he scored a couple last season in a 4-2, but, you know, I'd, ra- I'd rather have Aubameyang in the side. Like, you know, come come Saturday, I want Aubameyang in the side. And I, I think that says it all because he is likely to score. He had three chances um, yesterday, uh, sorry, on, on Sunday. One, he should have buried. Two, he's hit the... Two, I think he should have buried. I know he hit the bar with one. And the, and the third one was a sensational shot and save. So he's dangerous, even though he's being blocked out of the game and marked out of the game by teams doing tactical things on him, he's still got three chances, you know. So, um, you know, I, I, and I don't think that we do play to his strengths until we sort that out, you know, wide on the left or whatever. I think it is a bit of a problem, you know. Why, why is he playing wide on the left? Why is the reason there is? There's got to be because he doesn't hold the ball up, maybe, and that's why we can't play the way we want to do. There are there are faults in a Bamiang, you know, like people keep telling me, oh, let's get, you know, so if you, that's why I don't think that, you know, that the, the, the Barcelonas and the Real Madrid's would be queuing up to sign him because there are flaws in his game. There's great things in his game, but there are flaws, you know, uh, and that's maybe why, but, you know, can we be picky at this moment and say, right, yeah, let's let our 20-goal season of striker go? I don't think we can. You know, let's, let's be honest, he's in a poor, poor, this is, as we've all, we all agree, this is the worst side 
in night since '94. Ellis was four, apparently, when that was. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day, uh, when you look at it, you know he's still banging in goals in a poor side. You know, Omri was getting 20-25 in a in a unbelievable team. You know, Ian Wright was getting 20-25-30 goals in an unbelievable team to play, you know, with players around him, you know. So, he hasn't got a Burkamp, has he, supplying him? And, and putting the extra centre-back in means we would, don't have anybody like maybe a Willock playing behind him. And so, Lacazette's having to, like, like Stan was saying, drop real deep into midfield like his false eight that Stan has now copywritten. And uh, so, you haven't got the people doing the job. So, it's... it's yeah. It's really hard, but things are going to change, people. He's, he's not had a proper transfer window. A load of players are going to leave in the summer, be it on um, shipped out or, in Ozil's case, sent away on a money raft to go and learn a lesson. So, uh, yeah, things are going to get better, and we've seen signs of, of things getting better. So it's not all doom and gloom. Spurs are shit. They were lucky they beat us. If a Young would have put that in, that game would have been over. And that, uh, what, would that have made it 2-1 to us at that point? Yeah. Might have done, yeah. And if Mustafi would have uh, not done it, we've got to be got to be un, um, point out that Mustafi, his usual slide in at the far post and take people out or completely take himself out of the game, he didn't do that all game until it came down to the Kane bit. And I think he realised Kane's got past me. He's had the jump on me. Even if he had Inspector Gadget legs, there's no way that sliding tackle was going to stop Kane or take Kane out. And then Kane would have just gone for the dive anyway. So it's, it's all hard stuff. Um, Stan, there's the next bit I wanted to move on to. Um, how long have we been going? Um, one hour and ten minutes. Right, what we're going to do, let's talk about the Liverpool game. Stan, start with you. Um, our last seven home Premier League games against Liverpool, I was surprised by this. 1-1, 3-3, we lost 4-3, nil-nil, we won 4-1, we won 2-0, drew 2-2. You take into that into consideration, which is all meaningless. Um, this is more important. Liverpool's <laughs> last four away Premier League games. They beat Brighton 3-1. They lost 4-0 at Everton, Man City. They drew 0-0 at Everton. They lost 3-0 at Watford. Does that give you any hope that we might get something out of tomorrow night's game? Who knows? We've, we've, it's a mixed bag, isn't it, with our, with our mob? But, I mean, yeah. have Liverpool got a bit of a, a, a you know a champions hangover? Is that such a thing? Hopefully. You know, it seems like since they've, since they've uh, it's, it's a done deal, they seem to have dropped off a bit. But, you know, I was talking to this with some of my friends just the other day. I mean... What is it that we do now going forward? Are we going to keep, should we every game try and field our best players and salvage as many points as we can get? All right, we're not probably going to make Europe, but we should still maybe play as if we're fighting for it. Or do we experiment a little bit? Do we use these this time left to try different things? Yeah, I'd like to see we'll play 90 minutes. So again, Danny, so I didn't hear I'd that. Like to see, I'd like to see, I forgot you haven't got headphones on. Um, I'd like to see Willock play 90 minutes a couple of times because for me, he is that the new kind of Ramsey role where he's going to play more attacking. He's not an Ozil and he's not a Bergkamp, but he has got, I mean, I mean, this season he's played more games than any other player for Arsenal, Willock has. And I, I think he's going to be a decent player and he needs some game time. And maybe we should just take one of those centre-backs out. Take Kalasnic out, because he's not really doing the job. And when we take Kalasnic out, play, we'll let Willock play up front, because I think Ceballos has got that position down. I think Xhaka has got his position sorted, centre and midfield, breaking stuff up and giving it to other people who can do stuff with the ball. I just think we're just, like, like, like Lee was saying, they're not getting the service up front. That's why they're not scoring the goal. So would you take the risk and tomorrow night and uh, drop one of the centre-backs and and then play someone in the more someone in the creative hole behind the strikers. 
Yeah, I would. I would. Yeah, because I think at some point that's a formation that in the future we're going to revert back to. I feel I don't think that five at the back is is how we're going to be playing in a year's time. Like you say, somebody like a Willock, you know, to give them some an opportunity. Maybe uh, Reese Nelson could be due some minutes as well, and also. You know, Lucas Torreira has hardly had any minutes. And I've listened to a few podcasts and I listened to one pre the uh, Tottenham game and they were saying, well, I don't think we can really play Lucas Torreira. He hasn't had many minutes. And I listened to the same podcast today and they said, well, I don't think, you know, we can really play him before Liverpool because he's not had any minutes. And I'm sort of scratching my head thinking, well, how do you rectify that? What, we can never play him again now. He's never ever going to get a game unless there's a, a League Cup game that we can wheel him out in. He's got to come on and play minutes. And with the amount of substitutions that we have, I'm quite surprised that we haven't seen a little more of Torreira to be used in some way, you know? Um, especially now that we, if you look at our midfield, we've effectively lost two from midfield, right? Meza Ozil, don't know when he's ever coming back. Probably not. Matao uh, Guendouzi, banished, you know? So... We've lost two from the midfield and Lucas Terrell, I was so surprised that I've not seen him get some more minutes. I think there might be something up there. There's been rumours that he wants to go back to Italy. I mean, it could be clickbait from the papers uh, and, and other people who pretend they know stuff that may, may well work in KFC and have got nothing to do with football. But there is, we look, um, uh, Lee, we look at the way um, Terrell played at some point. Was it beginning of last season? And we thought, we've got him. We've got yeah. our replacement in that position. Absolutely magnificent. The Terrier. He was playing for us last season the way that he was playing for... Um, is it... Who is he? Is he Uruguayan? Yeah, when he, Uruguay, he was playing yeah. for Sampdoria when we bought him and then playing in the World Cup when we thought, bloody yeah. we've got this bloke for, what, 27 million quid? Absolutely stunning. Do you think there's a problem with him? Cause yeah, I think he's that he's not settled. I think he's not settled. I, I just feel that... I don't know about you. When he first came, like everybody... He put him in this holding role, and then all of a sudden, I'll tell you what, we swap him. You know what I mean? I remember when um, um, we'd done it with, um, oh, I can't even think of his name now, um, Cochrane. We done it with Cochrane first come into the team. He was do- he was doing a doggy job in the midfield. Then all of a sudden, we put him in the number 10 role. Never worked. So we're giving this again with Torreira. You know, I've seen Torreira bombing up, you know, on the edge of the six-yard box at times, you know, do, you know, and he wasn't really, that's not his job. You know, when he does his job, he does it well. But I think there's probably like he got a little bit unsettled or he's not settled in as well as what, he, what he'd done. And, and listen, for me, if we can get 30, 40 million for him and that can get us a, a party or somebody like that, you know, then that's what I would do. You know, because I think that the Premier League may be that little bit too physical for him even though he's a little terrier I don't know I think you've got to be a little big and strong but um, for me I, let's, let's see what he does tomorrow I'm, 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 I think like if I'll be honest I think Liverpool will play a few um, of their younger players tomorrow I think that they've been giving them a go and if you if you look at it from from a Liverpool point of view they're, they're going to be they've, they've got nothing to play for well what, what do you if you've got some four or five good youngsters well I'd rather reel them out against Arsenal mm. and um, show you what they can do and show instead of an English. So, like, I think that I'd be very surprised if they don't. So, I don't see why we can't. You know what I mean? The, we ain't going to get top four. We ain't going to get top five. We ain't going to get top six. So, we might as well, I think, I don't know how you guys feel about it, like, rest a few players because Saturday's, Saturday's the one. And, 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 and bring in, like, the likes of Torreira and Willock to play instead of Sabias and Shaka. And, you know, um, 
gets get uh, them getting under getting some minutes, and, and I'd like to see Medley have a run out. Yeah, why not? And you know, I would like to know what Maitland Knowles has done wrong to, to to get some sort of game time because I thought he was outstanding against Wolves, and since then, not really. And, and he come on against was it Wolves? He come on against and Sheffield United. He played really well at, and and you know, not being rewarded. You know, and then I see these players like Mustafi and Klesanec playing poorly and getting rewarded by playing every week. You know what I mean? That is the only downside I've got of Arteta. He's a little bit... But is he is he putting them out there to make so many mistakes that it's, you know, like he can then go to the ball and go, look, there, there's a dossier, look, 15 games, 15 mistakes, got to get rid, you know? So that could be something to do with it. But I, I, I'm happy. I want to see Reese Nelson playing tomorrow. Let's see if what Reese Nelson can do against the top team. Is he, instead of thinking, can he do it, can't he do it? No, let's go out there and see if you can do it. Go to him, right, this is your time to prove that you can do it against a good left-back and a good side. Go and do it. And the same, you know, unfortunately, Eddie can't be there, so we're going to have to play a little bit of fuels. But I would like to see like, a, a few of the players that have been on the fringes come in and Cedric, for instance, let's see what they can do. I agree with all of that a lot. There's too much agreeing going on here, Ellis. Um, do you disagree with everything <laughs> that, that Lee and Stan have said? Could you tell them they're both wrong? I tell you, what I do disagree with unknown driller in the yeah. chat box. Jose Mourinho's biggest fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I completely disagree with everything that Lee and Stan says. <laughs> nah, nah. Um, I don't know. I, I do a little bit, to be fair. Like, I'm sort of, I'm, 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 I'm very well on the fence of like how we approach the Liverpool game. I, I agree with like Stan. They could be on the beach. Like. Klopp said a lot of nice things about Arteta. If he was that nice, he would just throw away the game and give us some points because we desperately need it. Yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, I think either way, I think it's a decent approach. Really, you can either go in it and try and win it and hope that Liverpool slip up, or you can like Lee, uh, like Lee said, get some experience there. Use these remaining fixtures because we ain't we ain't going to get into the Champions League. It's difficult that we're going to get into the Europa League, so you might as well just spend the time sort of get the philosophy across to your players more get experience some of the players more treat it as a pre-season there's no fucking fans in the stadium it's basically a fucking pre-season and atmosphere anyway so you might as well just fucking just go for it go the full hog and just and just see how they go see if you you never know you might discover someone in a certain position who can just Make it tick. You might discover partnerships that you wouldn't think you'd normally try with. So, yeah, I think I'd, I'd be I'd be all for sort of just giving it, just mixing it up for the last few fixtures. Again, Liverpool, if they want to turn up, they turn us over. If they don't want to turn up, we might have a chance. Um, but yeah, just just I just think just crack on. I think I'll should probably just use it as like I said, reinforcing his ideas and trying to see some of the. the not the usual suspects. Not trying to see the the same old guys who keep making the mistakes that. And make us want to to get rid of them. Maybe just give someone else, like give give. I don't know. I don't even know. Just give one of the youngsters a chance and see what happens. See if they can create something. Again, scoring against Liverpool might be something. Might be the making of someone who's not really had a chance. Who knows? Hopefully, yeah. Right. Um, let's go and do some. Uh, first of all, we've only got a few listeners' questions. I've got my emergency topics, which I haven't had to dip into. Lovely jubbly. Oh, here we go. Oh, um, Stan, a question from Kyle from Twitter. Man City, what is the point of FFP? Is it a case of if you can't beat them, join them? Would you want, not you, Stan, but the Stan who owns the club, to finance us like Man City and Chelsea do, or does that go against what the Arsenal stands for? 
Well, as much as um, I despise Jose Mourinho, he did say one thing that I heard earlier on today when he was uh, speaking about this subject. And he said, um, you know, if um, Manchester City are innocent, why were they fined? I mean, it doesn't make sense, right? You, if, if you're innocent, then there shouldn't there shouldn't have been a fine. So, I, you know, it's not a story that I really followed with Man City. So I don't know all the ins and outs of it. But I but mean, the gist. Yeah, I mean, I know allegedly, a little bit. Allegedly, it was just that they were getting companies that um, from uh, is it Saudi Arabia? They're from. Um, or, 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 like shell to, 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 yeah. to so they, were getting, they, were, they were getting places like Lee's um, Lee's shop to go and sponsor Manchester, <laughs> or like Lee's shop sponsoring Arsenal for 500 million quid for having his name on the side of their shirt and then the, the, the owners of the club Ali is at 500 million so uh, yeah. not realistic but they, they went but man, when Man City openly say we would rather fight and spend 100 million on lawyers or whatever it was and bankrupt UEFA than take the penalty UEFA must be going Oh fuck! Just just forget about it. Do what you want because when when if Newcastle get bought, I mean these people who want to buy Newcastle, there's two lots, and if they do buy Newcastle, they've got more money than the than all those other teams put together, and then that will just make a mockery of the whole thing. We might as well just give up. But I mean, it all depends on what your feelings are about this FFP. I mean, if you've got a business, you want your business to grow. You know, it's a difference of having a corner shop to having a Tesco's or having a Tesco's and owning self, earning, you know, owning Selfridges. You know, I'm not so sure whether there should be caps. You know, it's up to the, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a business. You know, you, if you want to put money into it, obviously you've got to have the safety net where you can't go bankrupt and you have to have, you know, uh, money tucked away so that if there are problems, you know, for a couple of years, the club can be run while they find new owners. I, I understand all of that. But as a business, I mean, is it right that you should be told how you can grow your business? You know, obviously, as long as the money's not coming in from, you know, uh, s- slavery or selling arms or running crack, you know, or, or what have you, you know, as long as it's done morally, it's up to you how you wish to grow your business. But there's... um. But what can you really do about it? I mean, they've given them a reduced fine and Man City just gone, fuck yeah, we do what we want. And then it will just go on and on. I think uh, Arscast was saying today that here we are. Uh, we, uh, this podcast mentioned more other podcasts more than our own, but he was saying today that it was bought in. I think the original way it was bought in was to make sure that the big teams stayed the big teams and the little teams didn't get a chance. And that's that's not really been happening. Yeah. It hasn't happened on our. We've become a little team, haven't we, Lee? Yeah, I, I agree. You know what I mean? What is it fair that Bournemouth can't spend the same money as... Uh, you know, an Arsenal or, a, or a, a, a Bournemouth, you know, eventually Bournemouth will get relegated. Funny enough, they're going to get relegated this year because why? They can't spend the money that they, they need to survive. But the big teams can. It's not right. Um, right, Ellis, as you haven't had one, we can come to you with the next question from Fred. Oh, it says Fred Floppy Disc, but I think Floppy Disc is the... Um, the icon next well, to you. Know, else, then. <laughs> so when I've cut and pasted it, <laughs> it's just put floppy disk. Fred says, do you think the lack of crowd helped Spurs? They could never have played so passively had their fans been screaming at them. Ooh. Ooh, I don't know. Cause I've, I've also thought, there's a point I've not really um, thought of myself. Like I've, I've mentioned a couple of times how maybe it's potentially improved Arsenal away from home and taken the pressure off us. So I guess... On the flip side, you could have that for 
for Spurs because, like like I, I mentioned earlier, they sat back at home and absorbed and it's not really something that a home team normally does. Again, it's something that fucking Jose Mourinho does all the time and it's like, it's it, it's what he does and I, 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 I don't think it really would have been. I think that there would have been glimpses in that game where the fans wouldn't have really got on their back. I think it's very difficult to say, really, isn't it? With games could have gone completely different, I think, with fans, because I think sometimes we do sort of underestimate how much of an influence the fans of it have on it. I think I can't again mention another podcast. I would if I knew what podcast it was, but I was listening to one podcast where um someone was saying that Tony Adams or Lee Dixon would like put a hard tackle in or just do something to get the fans to cheer them up, to get the fans going, which would then in turn influence the team and get them playing well. I think we do perhaps forget how much of an influence we as fans can be at the stadium, at the ground, to the momentum of the game. And perhaps it may have changed things. Who knows? Like Dave Hilly used to say, go in, make a tackle, let them know you're there. Fans love it. Right, uh, Lee, as you were talking about um, the Ainsley, Rick Taylor asks from Twitter, thoughts on... Ainsley wanting to leave. Sort of, he says he is sort of torn as he has played well since he sorted his attitude out, his attitude issues out. See the Sheffield United game, which you mentioned, didn't you, Lee? That he had he had a decent game. That he came come on and played. Uh, did he play left back? He, he came off uh, left back against Wolves and done oh, a really good job there and, and and played really well against Sheffield United. And then it just you know I'd imagine um, he's getting a little bit frustrated. You know, because you know you've you can you can only play as well as the game you're in. You, he's played really well against Sheffield United. I thought it was um, Pepe's best game because he he was complimenting him down the right hand side very very well. He's got that positive bit to his play where he can beat a player, and then it frees goes through the lines and it frees up uh, Pepe. Uh, and then you know he, he's he's left out, and uh, you know to, to someone like Bellerin, if you be honest, I thought done very well by the way on Sunday. But did he justify being in the team over over someone like Maitland Null? So I can see him probably getting a little bit frustrated and saying, Do you know what, um, I'm not getting the, a fair deal here, and I, I, I can agree with that, you know. And it just seems that you know if you're sitting there and you're seeing, I know it's a different positions, but you're seeing other players making mistakes and still. You know, come the weekend, getting the shirt. You know, you start going to start getting the ump, and um, so I think that he's probably a little bit frustrated. I hope he hangs in there because uh, I do think that you know that wing back role or the right back role is something that he can play. Um, he was aggressive against Wolves that I've never seen him before, and uh, you know that showed me that his attitude was spot on. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I'm, I, I can understand him wanting to leave because of that. Simple. It must be hard for him. Beginning of the season, he played five games, played the full five games. Then against Villa, got sent off. And then the next two games, the next two games on the bench, then four not in the squad, on the bench, not in the squad. Then he comes in and plays uh, a run of eight games, all at right back. Um, part is the end of the Emery and the beginning of the Arteta era. Then he's on the bench, four games not in the squad. Then when the season restarts, 23 minutes on the bench, 10 minutes on the bench, 34 minutes, one minute on the bench. You've got to be thinking, we've got, like Stan was saying, we've got five substitutes now and he's, he's getting a one-minute game or a 10-minute game. These are the kind of players, because he, he has the adaptability. To, he can play right back, right wing back. He can play central midfield. He can play in the, the kind of Ozil hole. He could probably play any position on the pitch apart from goalkeeper. And that's probably why he wants to go, because... 
there are going to be other teams around him. It's like um, Balogun, another young player. He's saying that he wants to go mm. because... And again, I suppose it is good. We've got young players coming through that can't get games because all the other young players are getting games. But yeah, right. I think we should move on and do some of the questions that you lovely people have sent in. Archie, this you can have this one, Ellis. Archie has said, Real Madrid won 23 million for Ceballos coming from uh, Marca, which is the Spanish newspaper. Stick or pull the trigger? For reference, this season, £5 million for the loan. And I think he's on 60 grand a week. Would you try and get another loan or would you pay the 23 million for him? Cause he is not coming here for 60 grand a week. Is he? Yeah. A few people have put that question in there. I think I posted mm. it a bit mm. earlier from Tony Turner. and I think other people muted it. I think from general consensus from the numbers flying around on Twitter, it's sort of anything between sort of like 20, 23, 25 million for him, which I don't know. It's just so hard, really, to think about what the current market's going to be like this summer with everything that's gone on. I don't know if that before all this, I would have thought twenty-five million's not bad price for him, really. Um, I think I'd like to err on the side of caution and perhaps see if we can try and get another loan out of Madrid because they're not playing him. He's barely played for Madrid at all, and if we can get another loan, season-long loan out of them from him, see some action improvement, then go and, and sign him but then obviously you run the risk of if he's actually really good for us and Real Madrid went more than the 20, 23, 25 million or if he's actually really shit and it's just a waste of money but for me I think I'd, I'd probably err on the side of caution and go over loan and then look to make it permanent if he still keeps pulling up trees for us next season uh, I'm going to try and finish this in the next five minutes so Lee uh, buy, set a buy loan or not bother I, I, I'm going to I've I don't know if I should be happy at agreeing with Ellis, but I totally agree with everything he said there. Like, you know, uh, I'm going to go definitely like try and get the loan first of all, um, because I think that we've got we need to, to strengthen in other areas. So if we can get another loan for him for another year, that'd be fantastic. But if he carries on playing like he is now for 22 million, the, the following season would be a bargain. If we can't get him on the loan, I think we've got to take the gamble with 22 million and say, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll have him. Stan. Yeah, for, for that sort of money, if he's going to continue playing the way he's playing of late, then I think it's a no-brainer because, you know, before I heard that figure, you know, a few months ago, I was thinking, well, we're going to pay 40 million euros for this guy, you know? Well, it's a lot of money. Maybe we could spend that elsewhere. So I, I agree with the lads, you know, if we could get him for an, an, another season on loan, use that money somewhere else in the market instead of paying the 25. But if it is that sort of figure and he's playing the same way by the end of the season why not um, just for the sake of disagreement I uh, said during the commentary of the Spurs game that he trained to be a hairdresser I think he should give up football open a, a hairdresser shop on the Seven Sisters Road and retire into obscurity uh, right we have a question here from Phil Macko start with you on this one Judge um, if we return to a back four next season will that see the return of holding to the side nah do you know what? I've, uh, do you know if if it was me with with holding, I I think you know people underestimate these injuries. I think it takes a very very long time for him to get over. For me, holding has to go on loan, have a year's football somewhere else where he's playing under a little bit less. But I think at the minute he's in and out of team, in and out of team. It's no good. You got to get him into a club where he's going to have a full season. If he comes back from that f fully recovered, thing, then fantastic. But for me, um, I, I don't. I, I honestly like. I've got to be honest, if any of the central defenders first game of the season run out on the pitch at the Emirates and we're allowed back in, I'm running out. You know what I mean? Because I don't want none of them 
in there. Like the only one that I want to see playing next season in our back four is Tierney. The others I don't want to see. And if any one of them is, I will uh, be um, heading for the bar area at the Emirates. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I agree with that. Right. Um, Ellis, you've put it in here so you can try and make sense of this. This is from um, RCXXXL. It says conspiracy theory. Kalasnich, Mustafi, and those other wankers are playing so bad they can't be sold so they can stay at the club on high wages. Do you think that's got any legs? Uh, I think that's a. Uh bending the truth a little bit but I did find it quite funny like who knows I wouldn't surprise of, me <laughs> yeah out, out of everyone there I think Ozil's probably the one who literally couldn't give a shit he'd just sit there and play Fortnite all fucking all week and, and, and fucking count all the money in as it comes in every week but yeah I, d- <laughs> I don't think they purposely play shit I just think they are a little bit shit <laughs> <laughs> okay, right last question for you Stan uh, this is from Archie. How long will people blame the right back for Pepe's performances? I still believe he will come good, but he needs to do better with the basics. Yes, with Nicolas Pepe for me, he kind of seems like a player that has to have rhythm. He has to be he has to have, be in the team each week, each week and build up a rhythm. And he seems to always be in and out of the team. He's always a very stop start, you know, and I don't think that's helping him. I know that he's just had a, a baby, uh, but you know, he, he just doesn't, for me, have enough rhythm to run in the team. Um, he's got to come good, right? The amount of money that we've invested in him, he, he has to come good. If he doesn't come good, we won't be getting uh, um, that money back. Um, I'd like to see more of him, and I'm hoping he's going to come good. You see flashes of it, but he's so one-footed as well for me, which is my biggest worry, is that sometimes that when he's got the ball, um, you know exactly where he's going to go and um, what he's going to do with it. Um, you know, Mikel Arteta came to us with a reputation of being able to improve players. That was one of the big things that he came came with, you know, uh, p- players like Sane um, and uh, Sterling talked about how he can improve them. I really would like to hope that he can improve Pepe's right foot, give him something else, give him a little bit, another add another feather to his cap. Hopefully. Right. Um, while you gentlemen are thinking of who you want to give your gentleman's nod to, one final question that we will not answer from Sean Mish. Have we explored whether Ozil, we can loan Ozil out to an eSports League team? There you go. We'll just leave that with an unanswerable question. Right. Um, the podcast uh, gentleman's nod is going to go to Akshay, who got married at the weekend. He's, uh, we've all said hello to him on, on the, um, the Instagrammings. And, uh, yeah, he, he has a lovely beard. So I think he's grown the beard for his marriage, and it looks like they had a lovely time. Uh, my own personal um, nod is going to go to Richard Morris. Uh, we've turned off all donations and monetization of the channel. If you've got any spare money that you don't want, go and give it to food banks and places like that. We don't really need it. And Richard found a way around it, and he's given us 10 quid. He found out how to give us money via PayPal, the cheeky monkey. So, uh, yeah, thank you very much for that, Richard. It's going to be going to be spent on um, – I'm going to buy these uh, a quarter pounder each well one quarter pounder and a plastic fork each so we can cut it up into little pieces um oh you still look at uh, lee have you got anyone you want to say hello to it looks like these two are looking for people to say hello to <laughs> yeah, do you know what do you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna give it to me old mate kevin campbell because he's putting out a new channel with some of like i don't know if you see like the uh who are you things like for the supporters and and doing it for the fans and you know obviously being an ex-player and, and things like that but um you know, he does a lot of things for the fans and um, interacts with them and everything like that. So if, you, if you've if you not gone and seen any of his shows and all that, like, or 
checked out his channel. Do so because it's a, a really good watch. Yeah, and that is he goes and interviews Arsenal fans. And this is a bloke who's, who's legendary at many clubs for some of the stuff that he's done. And his son is currently banging in the goals for Stoke. That's the only reason I don't want Stoke. I'm, I'm worried about Stoke getting relegated. Yeah. Tyrese is a one hell of a player. Reminds me of his old man. And if you're banging in goals at a shit team like Stoke when they look like they're going to get relegated, then, uh, yeah. Oh, here we go. Like Loki says, Super Kev. He's one of our own. So, yeah, go and have a look at his YouTube channel. Anyone, all the P Arsenal podcasters, we all go and retweet his, his, his tweets for his channel. And, uh, yeah, you were on there, weren't you? He's asking you about being an Arsenal fan and all that other stuff. Yeah, it's just brilliant. You know, and you have anybody on there that, that, that wants to go on there and... Um, you know, talking about their their experience now. Obviously, my experiences of supporting Arsenal uh, as a younger are going to be different to Ellis's because Ellis, you know, come you know was four years when in when he was when he was in nineteen ninety four. So, you so, uh, <laughs> so, so like, all, all those you know, like even, unbelievably, like for someone like Ellis, didn't probably see Kevin Campbell play. You know what I mean? So these are um, uh, you know, so all these different experiences with different fans and the things like that, and for him to, to be doing that. To, to, to interact with the fans is, is fantastic. It's really good and it's a good watch. He's got people like John Burridge on there as well, you know, the ex-Crystal uh, oh, Palace Villa. Who had 150 clubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he, he's like, they, they work together um, on, um, on, on on the Spanish TV or something, what they do. And so he's been on it a couple of times. It's, it's you know, really, really good, like, you know. So if you check it out, uh, you know, and it's, all, it's, a, it's a must for Arsenal fans. I know I'm a little bit biased, but it is, you know what I mean? So oh, We do like him. He's a lovely bloke. And it's not like he's sitting on his ass doing nothing. He's got media work to do. And he's, still- oh, he's very busy, but he still puts the time in for the Arsenal fans, you know. Yeah. And he's, listen, he's a massive Arsenal fan as well, you know, very passionate about the Arsenal. Um, and, uh, yeah, so uh, check it out. Stan, who would you like to give your gentleman's nod to? Um, I'd like to give my gentleman's nod to a podcast which is over in the America region. So if there's anybody that's tuning in that's kind of on my time zone, I'm in uh, Vancouver, then go over to YouTube and subscribe to the Arsenal Fan Circle. They do two shows a week on a Thursday, um, which is around about my time, 5.30, and also on Sunday uh, afternoons, early afternoon, late morning, uh, around 11, 11.30, um, good lads. I'm on there uh, now and then, uh, always talking about Arsenal. Good panel. That's the Arsenal fan circle. Lovely. Yeah, and uh, they have a live chat, live show like we do, and I'm quite often in there. And uh, they always say hello, which is nice. Ellis, you cheeky monkey. Have you, uh, who are you going to say hello to? Um, I was to actually, but then obviously you completely threw me off by doing a podcast shout. Oh, give your wife a shout then. I don't know who his wife is. Mrs. Akshay. Mrs. Akshay now. <laughs> but I found someone on Twitter. B-A-L-I-G-A. I'm not sure how you said it. I think he's Canadian. He he's got a Canadian flag on his um, thing. I thought he was American. He lives in Canada. Ooh, fuck that up. Go on him. Anyway, um, scrolling desperately through my uh, notifications to try and find someone out to shout out was Andrew the Hinkley Gooner, who is at from Dial Square. And yeah, he's a big Arsenal fan, and the most thing I found funny about him this week was he generally believes, I don't know if anyone's seen Aliens or Alien the film with the little face grabbers that come out of the egg and grab in the face. So yeah, I put a photo on Twitter, and he thought it was generally an actual animal that was in existence on this planet. And that found me quite uh, tickled me a little bit, so I, I tweeted that. But uh, other than that, he's a good gooner, and he's a good laugh. Hey, can I ask you, Ellis, you mean that creature in that picture is not real? 
No. Because <laughs> I was looking, because I was looking, because the person posted it from Canada, and I'm just you, right? And I'm thinking, Jesus, they've got them running around. I mean, did you see the size of its balls? They're massive. Do you mean that thing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. That's not real. Tell <laughs> me again. Film alien. <laughs> oh, there is a giant crab that walks, that goes around in the desert that kind of looks like that, that I've seen in, in pictures of the desert in the army. People are pointing at it, and I've gone, that can't be That can't be real. That's nonsense. That's a camel spider, isn't it, or something like that? But I was kind of thinking, that doesn't look like that, that monster off of aliens. <laughs> it's just generally aliens. It's not real. <laughs> Thank got um, you as well. That's quite funny. People are asking, where is Kevin Campbell's channel? Um, we'll go and tweet it later, and the judge will go and um, give it a tweet as well. Then Because uh, you're between yeah. the two of them, you're to find it. Right, no, no so that's, that's it. We're all over and done with. We've only gone eight minutes over, which isn't too bad considering it's us because we didn't have Chris on giving us his life story. Chris has got the scurvy, which is why he didn't turn up yet again. Well, he wasn't meant to be on, but that's not the point. So thank you very much to my guest, Lee. You have been uh, you have been wonderful as always. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for the invite. It's been a long time, but really enjoyed it. Like, lovely to meet Stan and Ellis as well. Like, you know? Lovely. Stan, thank you very much for coming back on again for your second show. The next one won't be four years away, will it? <laughs> no, hopefully not. Thank you very much for asking me back and uh, a pleasure to speak to all of you uh, th- th- this afternoon. Thanks. Oh, bless your socks. Um, Archie wants to know who's on tomorrow. Do we know, Ellis? Um, Nikki, Drew, Jason. Oh, yeah, Drew. Drew, because Nikki and Drew both put their hand up for this show, but I said, no, I don't want people doing too many in a row. We'll burn them out. Um all I've got to say, Ellis, is hashtag fuck Ellis. Fuck you, too. Thank you for having me. It's nice to actually have a little chat with Lee and, and, and Stan. It's been good. It is. And I really, really need a wee. Oh, very good. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, thank you very much to everybody in the chat box. We had nearly 100 people watching for this. One of our podcasts, that's really good. It's only the live show, the post-match shows that get really high numbers. So, yeah, 100 of you suckers have been here listening to us talk a load of dribble. Uh, three ball blokes and Ellis, who I think that might be a week. I'm not sure. Uh, How dare you? It's a fresh cut, mate. Look at that fade. Fresh cut and fade, Jesus. Three words that meet. Well, what's that, and what's that Dan? What's a fresh cut? What's a fresh cut? That it's like a fade. It's like not quite full like all of you guys. Thank you very much, everybody who's listening. If you want to give this a thumbs up, feel free. If you want to give it a subscribe, feel free. We do a live show after every single Arsenal game. And we do a podcast usually sometime during the weeks, Tuesdays, Wednesdays. Who knows? Because it's so so many games at the moment. And uh, thank you much for watching. This has been a Burkamp Wonderland. And uh, I'm not wearing any trousers. Shh. <laughs> as soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog. <laughs>